Welcome to the Given Road Podcast. My name is Jeff. I'm the pastor at Given Road. And today we are looking at an interview I did with Shane Claiborne about a year and a half ago. Um, this was originally part of my other podcast, the Did Disciple Me podcast, which is no longer a thing. And so I decided to reduce, reuse, and recycle and turn it into some useful content to help disciple my congregation throughout the week, uh, which is what we're doing now, uh, and to help disciple you throughout the week. This is still unheard by most of you listening. Um, and if you heard it before, it's still a compelling interview, I think, and worth a re-listen to. So uh, before we get into it, if we could do some housekeeping, um, if you like this podcast, I know we're brand new and you've heard one sermon and then this intro, uh, but uh, if you like us and would like to help us increase our reach and the people that we can reach with this and the people that we can um, affect and, and help with this, uh, please like us and review us on iTunes. If you give us like a five-star rating and just a little blurb about what you like about the podcast, um, that will really help us to get noticed by um, other people. Uh, iTunes features people features podcasts that is being reviewed regularly and liked regularly um all that aside uh if uh yeah and if you like this podcast please do share it with people you love that might also like the podcast so that being said here's my interview with shane claiborne yeah i think so all right and i've been out i've been out uh, working in the yard so it'll make my hair better too <laughs> nice um how are good you good to talk to you man you doing too. good that's good uh what, what were you doing out in the yard oh i was we're building a chicken coop nice nice is there like specific zoning regulations you have to get to do that or is it fairly lax no i don't even know <laughs> <laughs> all right chapter for your next book how i got in trouble with the chickens <laughs> cool well thank you for joining me uh, we're rolling already uh this is really meant to be like more like a conversational type podcast than like a question answer interview um but i'm really glad that you're here um cool man what's uh what's um new and exciting with shane claiborne well i'm a uh, new and exciting chickens we're getting chickens in our backyard <laughs> gardens are blooming that's Spring great. has sprung. Christ is risen. You know, it's yeah. a couple of days after Easter, so um, celebrating all that. And uh, yeah, man, uh, I do. I'm doing a lot of work these days on restorative justice. You know, nice. and trying to find alternatives to the death penalty. Yeah. So uh, that that comes right out of the, you know, my my faith and belief in. Uh, 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 you know, the, the, we can do better than killing to show that killing's wrong. So yeah. I'm, I'm thankful last night, two executions were stopped okay. and, uh, we got, uh, half a dozen more this week. We got to stop, but, uh, wow. yeah, it was a great movement though. Yeah. Just on, honored to be a part of that. Yeah. I've been following that on your, on your Twitter. It's really, um, encouraging and discouraging at the same time to see, because sometimes you have victory and sometimes, uh, not so much, but. Uh, how long have you been involved with that now? Uh, oh, I wrote the Executing Grace book uh, about a year ago. Okay. So, But I've been working on ending the death penalty for about a decade. Yeah. Oh, wow. Very good. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Uh, how long have you been doing The Simple Way now? 20 years. 20 we years, moved in wow. here. We moved in here in 98. Yeah, man. That's great. It's kind of ridiculous to me that 20 years is now a... a, a length of time that I can 
clearly remember and beyond that. So, but that's, yeah, that's great. So 1998, that's awesome. Um, yeah, yep. I've been following, I think I read your, your book, uh, Irresistible Revolution, I think in like 2007 or 2008, I want to say. And it's been really interesting to sort of follow you and, uh, and what you're doing down there. I think it's really great. Um, who, was there someone in your life who like uh, spoke that into you? Or was it um, more of just like a culmination of, of different interests that sort of gathered you and realizations that gathered you to, to sort of want to, to check out and do this? Oh, boy, there's all kinds of people. Yeah, I mean, there's there's folks in my family, like my, my mother and my, uh, uh, you know, all my family that, that really got me uh, into the faith. And then there's just so many different people that have um, brought my faith to life and shaped it into what uh, it is, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. There's folks like... Um, well, there's all the dead people, you know. I mean, folks like Mo- Mother Teresa and mm-hmm. Saint Francis, uh, dead but risen, I guess you'd say, you yeah. know. And, <laughs> and then uh, um, the late Rich Mullins, you know, he's a wonderful singer and songwriter. He, yeah. he was a, a very impactful on me. And then you know, all the old folk way back when, like Saint Francis of Assisi and. Um, Dorothy Day, you know, and Dr. Martin Luther King and, and uh, Oscar Romero and all kinds of folks like that, too. Um, and then there's a lot of folks that are still around, you know, that speak into my life. Dr. John Perkins, he's an uh, incredible uh, person, you know, in the civil rights movement and the movement yeah. for racial justice and reconciliation. And uh, my friend Tony Campolo and uh, Richard Rohr is a dear friend. He's a Franciscan priest, and um, oh gosh, uh, so many different people, man. Yeah, that's great. So okay, so here's here's a, a question for you: How do you um, do what you do without being angry on Facebook? <laughs> like, uh, like sometimes, like the like the stuff that you post is stuff that I'm passionate about too, and I have a hard time not not um, uh, being, I have a hard time being as graceful as you are about about all the stuff you're doing. How do you sort of uh, keep like how do you keep your cool? I guess on social media. Well, I, I think social media is one of those things that uh, um, we we gotta you gotta kind of be disciplined with, yeah. you know, and um, it can't just be reactionary. Um, it's a cheap way to communicate in some ways it, it can, you know, you can do a whole lot of damage w- with, uh, uh, 140 characters or whatever, yeah. you know, I had a president, <laughs> president's teaching us that pretty well, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but you can also like, you know, I think there's, it can, it's like a power drill. You can use it to do destructive things or constructive things, you yeah. know? So I think we can use it for to do a lot of good. I mean, some of the momentum around the death penalty and the current movement uh, of moral resistance and stuff in our country, I think, is in the Black Lives Matter movement and stuff. All has been really, it's been instrumental in some of that, you know, mm-hmm. bringing attention to things that might not get attention otherwise and yeah. bring, bringing cohesion to folks that might feel like they're sort of uh, voices in the wilderness, uh, you know, kind of brings them together. But anyway, I, I think, you know, love has to drive us. I think yeah. anger and hatred are um natural emotions i think jesus felt 
anger, um, yeah. uh, you know, uh, and flip temples and uh, tables in the temple. And but I think he was always driven by love. I mean, he was a manifestation of love. You know, yeah. we see that on the cross, uh, love sort of looking evil in the face, you know, and saying, Father, forgive them. So it's a pretty, I think, I think Jesus gives me a lot of courage and um, imagination and, and resilience. Um, and being surrounded by people that are not cynical is a counterforce for some of that too, you know, yeah. because uh, if you want to be cynical, you hang out with cynical people. If you want to be narcissistic, then you hang out with people that are self-absorbed and watch the Kardashians a lot, you know, and, uh, <laughs> but you know, I, th- I think like Jesus helps us be less, less self-centered and, and hanging out with people that remind us of Jesus, help us uh, keep that momentum. Yeah. Yeah. I was reading a, a article on the website cracked that was talking about how we are uh, addicted to rage and how it's like, it releases endorphins to actually like go off on these like social media tangents uh, just for an hour and then forget about it entirely and we feel like we we are uh, contributing to some social cause because we tell people we're angry about it on Facebook but uh, but in reality it's just it's just our next fix is kind of what it was yeah there's two other things I'd say about that is one of them when I said it's a cheap way of communicating I think that you know Matthew 18 gives you a costly way of dealing with people that have hurt or offended you it says go directly to them and talk with them you know and it's sort of uh, the antithesis of the world where somebody makes you mad and you go post it on Facebook or tweet about it or something you know Um, now I do think that there's a way to, to like I said to be sort of a prophetic voice in things but for instance the governor of Arkansas, Asa Hutchinson, um, he's a man, a person, you know, and I yeah. respect him enough to try to talk with him. So I wrote him a letter. I got a letter sitting here on my desk that he hand wrote me back, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, now, it doesn't make me any less um, uh, outraged uh, and, and troubled by mm-hmm. the pursuit of executions in Arkansas. But I want to be I want to be talking with people, you know, yeah. even folks I I, I think some of the things that they've said are toxic, you know, yeah. like Franklin Graham and some others that I think have said some really, really, uh, Jerry Falwell, others like, but I, I always believe in straight talk and direct communication so we can do that. We can always hold a hand out, yeah. uh, folks to dialogue or, you know, um, uh, uh, but, uh, uh, St. Benedict talked a lot about that too, direct talking and mm. not murmuring or talking around people, you know. So I think we need to we need to speak truth in love, um, but we also need to see people as brothers and sisters that we can talk with yeah. and not just talk at them, you know. Uh, yeah. So um, um, the other thing is I think this, the screens can do something to our soul if we're not careful, you yeah. know. So I like to get outside. That's why I told you before we got on the Skype machine here. I've been out and, you know, building a chicken coop and playing yeah. in the garden, you know, and I, I think like we've got to get some sunshine because the, the endorphins come in other ways too, not just For by sure. getting angry at Facebook, but I yeah. think you you can release, you know, a lot of good things and, and have a more vibrant life by, yeah. uh, you know, doing things like get outside and being with people and, you know, playing in fire hydrants and having snowball <laughs> fights and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, vitamin D as well from the sun. Very important for, uh, uh, it helps sort of decrease depression and, and helps, gives you more energy for the day. So that's, we're, we're like flowers in that way. It's, we, we sort of eat vitamin D from the sun the same way that flowers eat light for, for food. Uh, yeah, I think um, on the on the Matthew thing, I think that's a real challenge in the church today 
is because uh, I think a lot of times it comes from this position that we don't want to hurt someone's feelings, but in not wanting to hurt someone's feelings, we then sort of get into gossip. Uh, I was a I was a pastor for uh, five years, and I, at one of my churches, um, there were people who had a bunch of complaints against me, and like a, a, um, the executive council came and like sat me down and was talking to me about all these things, and I'm like, look, I'm, I'll be the first person to say I am I'm not a perfect person. There are a lot of areas that I could use some work in, and I was like, but these just aren't them, and I was really confused, and so finally I was like, how many people who complained? actually have kids in I mean youth pastors actually have kids in the youth group and they looked at the list and like oh nobody <laughs> so it's like it came from a place of misunderstanding in the first place of not under, like I guess I wasn't communicating well enough with the church what I was doing in the youth group um, but then also from I think a place of not wanting to hurt my feelings or something but then it escalated it and got gossipy and, and weird so I think that's a really wise thing to, to point out is to really go towards people who you have beef with and and work it out um and if that doesn't work come back with somebody else and if that doesn't work then yeah but yeah i think that's really good yeah it's a toxic thing it kind of tears apart the foundation of community uh the the talk like murmuring uh that idea that we're kind of talk negatively about people and saint benedict when he talks about he says the person may even have a valid claim but Mm. the the way that they've gone about it is more uh more dangerous to the soul of community than whatever claim they probably had, you know? Yeah. So, um, but then the flip side of that's confession too, which is a sacrament to, in the church, you know, yeah. is, is saying we're sorry to each other. So that that's very countercultural too, I think is to preemptively before you have to confess, you know, things that we've done wrong. And, yeah. and I think that's, that's a beautiful, holy thing in the church. It's a, a beautiful part of the recovery community too. Folks recovering from drug and alcohol addictions yeah. is, is they kind of know that you you've got to face your demons, you know, um, before someone makes you, you know, like you got to kind of do that um, out of your own uh, soul. So I think you know you don't want to beat people when they're down, and I think uh, having a culture of confession in the church uh, makes people it kind of disarms people um, to where they're they're more apt to share something wrong with themselves and something that they're picking on on you know some the log in somebody else their own eye before they pick on yeah. you know the the speck in someone else's yeah do you guys have a celebrate recovery down there yeah we've got a recovery we, we've got kind of a culture of recovery we've got one community in particular it's taught us a lot about that it's called new jerusalem okay. and it's all folks mostly recovering from um uh, largely drug addictions, heroin and crack and alcohol and things. But, uh, yeah, we, we all, we always say we're all recovering from something, yeah. you know? And so, uh, um, but we, we believe in the wounded healer model, you know, that our wounds actually become our credentials, that those are the things that allow us to reach others who have been injured and, you know, are suffering from some of the uh, same struggles that we've had. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no, completely. I found um, I, I have uh, uh, anxiety disorders and depression, and uh, I found that since I'm open with those um, in sermons and stuff like that, I have just like droves of people come to me afterwards and be like, my son's going through this, I don't know what to do, and, or my husband's going through this and I don't know what to do. And uh, it's been really amazing to see God work through like the, the part of my life that's honestly been the most um, 
crippling and like disabling it ends up being the point that god is able to work most through me uh, yeah I, I think that's beautiful and and it's it's very uh true to the story you know i mean uh uh the the like you know a barren woman becomes a mother of a nation you know uh yeah. god uses uh uh, you know, a stuttering prophet. God uses broken vessels. You know, folks that have made bad mistakes, like David. You know, uh, committed adultery and killed her. You know, Bathsheba's husband. Like these all are all people that. Um, it's what Saint John of the Cross said. It's the cracks that let the light come in. Yeah. So I, I you know, one of I got to know this fellow that's a, a wonderful musician, um, and he has. Um, a, a a speech impediment. He stutters, you know, and um, and and then he says, but as soon as he picks up the guitar, it's like a different part of your brain. So he just sings angelic songs, so mm. beautiful. We've done some events together, and he said, uh, I like to think, uh, you know, that that God gets to brag when God uses me because I'm the most unlikely person that <laughs> would be a professional musician, you know, because he. Like it was, it was a nightmare to stand in front of a crowd as a kid, you know. So it's mm. beautiful. That's great. Yeah, I think um, there's something, uh, something really. Uh, I think God likes to brag about all of us <laughs> in some way. Uh, there's yeah, but I think it's those like kind of blind spots yeah. that surprise us, you know, and they become because you kind of you're easy to get conditioned by the world to think it's all the books and titles and education yeah. and all that stuff and that stuff's important and can be help, helpful but yeah i think the the stuff that um that makes beautiful the spirit works through powerfully is through these you know testimonials and through the 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 things that uh, uh may have been some of those tough parts of our life that actually become a part of um uh, the the ministry work, you know, so like yeah. women coming out of domestic violence end up being some of the greatest right, yeah. healers of that in the world, you know. So yeah, yeah no, I've uh, I've yeah definitely known a lot of people who were sexual abuse victims who ended up that becoming their ministry. Actually, tomorrow I'm in I'm talking with a woman who uh, is a survivor of the sex trade industry and started an organization called Rising Angels that uh, helps sort of. Uh, gives women the resources to, to be able to free themselves from that as well. So it's really, yeah, it's great. Yeah. How do you think, um, how do you take your passion and turn it into ministry? Well, I, you know, I, I don't, uh, I, I don't, I don't know that I, I ever have a, um, I don't really think a whole lot about, strategically about all that but okay. i like how um you know uh, frederick beatner said we've got to take our passions and connect them to the world's pain yeah and when i see people doing really beautiful ministries or really wonderful redemptive things it's when they use their gifts and passions and the things that they're uniquely wired in and they've kind of said what does it mean to um connect that with some of the the um pain of others and the injustices of the world and mm. um and the big story you know like jesus said seek first the kingdom of god so um uh, you know we've got builders that are building abandoned houses creating affordable housing we've got scientists that are thinking about the world water crisis you know mm. we've got like um uh 
robotics engineers that are designing robots that dismantle landmines. You know, we got lawyers that are defending folks on death row and helping folks with their immigration, you know, and things like that. So I think almost all of our gifts, you know, can be oriented towards the big narrative of God redeeming the world. Um, You know, I think there's few vocations that end up being tricky you know yeah. uh like owning a porn shop or be, <laughs> being yeah. in the military you know being a christian may make you a really bad soldier if you're yeah. trying to do this love your enemies thing and <laughs> carry carry a weapon but i think like even gandhi said you know if i have to choose between a coward and a soldier uh, i choose a soldier because that passion can be directed into beautiful love and yeah. generative things but you know, it's hard to do much with, with a, a coward. So I think that's a, you know, I think all of us have these passions and gifts for different reasons. Yeah. Yeah, I think, so, yeah, like one of the one of the, the goals of, of this show is sort of to illustrate to people how they can sort of, uh, how discipleship doesn't have to be like a, a grand, um, uh, extraordinary, uh, uh, whatever word I'm looking for. Um, but that it can be engaged in in the everyday um, and in like the small things and, and stuff like that. So yeah, I really like your answer. Um, yeah, sometimes we end up limiting our ideas of missions as some sort of abstract um, uh, anomaly, kind of a missionary in in some traditional way that like doesn't see uh, like kind of a missional lifestyle as something we can, I mean, it needs to be seen as something that can integrate into uh, all of our lives, you know, yeah. so we should be commissioning off our school teachers and, you know, our, our sanitation workers and our, you know, uh, nurses, you know, mm-hmm. saying like, like, let's be missional. Let's, let's carry, let's seek God's kingdom today in the work that we do. And yeah, um, and be, you know, vehicles and channels of God's love and grace, like whoever we touch, you know, like let them see Jesus in us, you know. So I think that's a beautiful way to think of it. So we don't kind of compartmentalize missions as one sort of select uh, God's special ops or something yeah. like that. You know? Yeah. 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 A friend of mine uh, likes to say uh, where you are is why you're there. Sort of like God, God's going to use you wherever you happen to be. Um mm. How do you how do you fight um, the days when like like there are days that I would wake up and not want to go to church? <laughs> like how do you how do you combat that in 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 your life? Like the days where you sort of discouraged or um, or you're you're tired or, or whatever that is. I heard one of my friends who's a lot older than me. He's you know uh, like seventy years old, and he got asked that, and uh, he said every morning I crawl up in a little ball and I listen to Jesus whisper to me how much he loves me. Mm. That gives me the energy to get out of bed, you know, and he's been doing this for decades and decades and some days sees fruit and some days doesn't, you know, and, and, uh, um, but I, I also think that, uh, having community is really a vital part of things because it's, it's sort of like, um, uh, other, you know, I, I think being a part of the church and being a part of a community uh, is kind of like surrounding yourselves with hot coals, you know, in a yeah. fire. And if you scatter everything out, you burn out. But when you when you kind of you keep each other warm, when you stay near to to the source of the fire, but also mm. near to each other, you know, it kind it kind of holds things um, ablaze. So um, 
Yeah, it was, it was, so I, I think, of, you know, the sociologists talk about how we need a plausibility structure to sustain countercultural values. You know, we need this kind of community around us that creates uh, uh, sort of this uh, energy to swim upstream in the world, you know, and, and to hope against all hope and things like that, you know. So I think that's, that's sort of uh, what the church has become. So we, we, you know, it's also why I believe in liturgy and in worship mm-hmm. is that we are sometimes we are other people are praying when in their words you know like become our voice when we don't feel those prayers and we don't feel like worshiping um you know and i, and I think that kind of helps get us up kind of like exercising too you know it's hard to just get the momentum to go on your own but when you got a bunch of other people it kind of keeps you going and then when you yeah. do it you feel yourself breathing better i think prayer is kind of like that it's not always easy to get up and do it but it's it's uh as you do it you you feel yourself breathe better and you also feel like how important it is to us you know for our own health and for the world yeah yeah so, so what you're saying about liturgy um i really like that and i was hearing uh uh two people yesterday sort of arguing about whether young adults like liturgy or not and one person was like adamant like young adults like liturgy they don't want the the new contemporary forms of worship and the other person was like no they only want the contemporary forms of worship and i was kind of like guys young adults like authentic experiences and that can come through liturgy and that can come through acoustic guitars and that can come through whatever else but yeah it's a good it's you know it's kind of like music do, do young people like music well it's like good yeah, it depends you know is it yeah. good or bad <laughs> <laughs> and i i think there's liturgy that is just for like kind of uh feel it can feel empty of life and then there's liturgy that's uh, it's a, it's amazing it's it's like beautiful music you know mm-hmm. it's like a symphony and and i think that that uh uh that that that's that's um um part of what we got to do you know it's been said that like um traditionalism is the dead faith of the living but tradition is the living faith of the dead. Oh, I like that. <laughs> and, and you know, that, that, so I think we're not just talking about empty traditions that have no life in them, as if we're just kind of passing something on for centuries or something for the sake of it. But I think, like, at its best, it's when we see ourselves as a part of a story that we're praying with our ancestors through history and that we're yeah. passing on to others. And, um, it, it, it's a beautiful thing to, uh, it, it has a, it's a, a living, breathing story that we are in the middle of. Hmm. Are you, are you noticing in your community, like that, are you having the same issue or like young adults and, uh, sort of 18 to 35 year olds are disappearing from the church or have you guys had good success with? Well, we see tons of youthful energy. I mean, we, we have, uh, folks kind of knocking down our doors sometimes but the 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 tricky thing i think is figuring out why they're leaving the church if the or the parts of the church that they are leaving Mm -hmm. you know and um i i believe that a lot of young people are um leaving the church because the church has left jesus in some ways i mean when we look at um some of evangelicalism and i mean I think one of many indications of that is that, you know, over 80 percent of white evangelicals that supported Trump in the last election, um, they see these contradictions, you know, Mm -hmm. and how um, unlike Jesus, many Christians have become. And I think there's there's that 
inauthenticity that they, they kind of uh, are, are done with, you know, where, but I see the, the exact opposite in a lot of places where there are, there is a transparency and an openness uh, about our struggles. You know, one church I went to, they had t-shirts that said, uh, the, the, the greeters at the door had shirts on that said, no perfect people allowed, <laughs> you know, and, and yeah. it, created a context to where you know you realize this the, the church isn't a country club for saints but it's a yeah. place for wounded folks and honest folks so one of my friends when people say the church is full of hypocrites he's got a great answer to that he goes oh no it's not we've always got room for more <laughs> i think we gotta realize that we're like you know we're kind of all figuring this out and this is yeah. not about how good we are it's how good god is and we're all trying to help each other become more like Christ. But the other thing I think is that the church is kind of disengaged from the world sometimes. So it's, you know, promising people life after death. And there's a lot of people going, is there life before death? You know, like, doesn't the gospel have anything to say about refugees, you know, and about war and uh, racism and all this stuff? And so, you know, we can be, as, as some have said, you know, so heavenly minded that we are not much earthly good. And I think a lot of young people want a faith that's relevant. They want a yeah. faith that connects to the crises uh, in our day. And um, um, so in some ways, I believe that we are are losing young people, not because we've made the gospel too hard, but because we've made the gospel too easy. Yeah. You know, we, we've just kind of invited people into a set of beliefs that don't necessarily reorient the rest of their lives. I think people want yeah. a revolution. They want something that they... That, that they want to change the world, you know, and if, if the church isn't got on on board with that vision, they're going to join the Peace Corps. They're going to, you know, go out and do something else with their lives. So, uh, yeah, I think we, we need to we need to really challenge people to take Jesus seriously. Yeah, that's actually, that's one of the scariest things for me is that sort of Matthew 7 uh, where Jesus is telling the people who, who thought that they were going to get into heaven. It's like, uh, I never knew you. And uh, I think there's a lot of... Um, churches that are sort of in that in that line that scares the crap out of me <laughs> yeah and you talk about discipleship a lot on your show i think part of it is the discipleship that we we christians haven't always reflected jesus you know yeah. it, was, it was gandhi that said i love jesus i just wish the christians looked more like him yeah. you know so often the christians look very unlike their christ yeah and i think as we we think of the current state of our country and and many of the things that win an election are the antithesis of the Beatitudes. You know, blessed are the poor, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed mm-hmm. are the meek, you know, right. like the peacemakers are the children of God. Like the uh, it's the upside down kingdom, as many say. So I think, you know, as folks look at uh, those things and, and you, you sort of go, wow, I'm not, not sure, you know, how we get this because right you know the Barna research group they went to every state in the US and they asked young non-christians what do you think of when you hear the word christian yeah. and the number one answer was anti-gay number 2 was judgmental and number 3 was hypocritical mm. so i think we've got um uh, a, 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 a image crisis in the world and and a lot of it is very well deserved but yeah. there's a whole generation of, of folks that i think want to want a christianity that looks like jesus again and and they want to be known for love again. They want to be known more for what we're for than what we're against, and more for who we've embraced than who we've excluded. Yeah, yeah. A friend of mine was saying just about like the perception of the church, uh, of people, the people's perception of the church, is that that saying like uh, you know, 
saying you don't want to go to church because of the hypocrites is like saying you don't want to go to the gym because of fat people. And he's like, but the gym isn't being run by fat people. <laughs> he's like, the gym is being run by the fit people. And so he's sort of saying like his perception of the church is that it's like, yeah, that's a good saying. Uh, if it wasn't for a lot, a lot of the a lot of the leadership was yeah. yeah. I mean, you kind of don't want to go to you go to your plumber's house and have a leaky faucet everywhere. Go yeah, to your exactly. dentist, dentist, and their teeth are rotten out. But yeah. I think that's what discipleship's so important is that yeah. you know we're all ultimately our eyes are on Jesus, um, but discipleship is is kind of reproducing. Uh, that DNA of Jesus in the world, you know, folks that remind the world of Jesus. And that's what saints are. You know, it's been said saints are just folks that leave off the fragrance of Jesus in the world mm-hmm. uh, because they've become so much like him. And we, we just want to keep moving each other closer to that. And I think that's what discipleship's about. We sort of reproduce who we are, yeah. uh, you know, for better or worse. Yeah. Do you have a heart out? Like, are you, we've been talking for half an hour. Are you here for half an hour or a full hour or? I got a few more minutes. Yeah, sure. I got maybe five more minutes. Yeah. Great. Okay. Yeah. Um, and now I forget what I was going to ask next. <laughs> or we can close it if you feel like we've yeah. done it. It's yeah. You know what? It's, yeah, it's been good. good. My my goal is to hit about thirty minutes per. Yeah, episode, it's great, so, man. Yeah. Awesome. So thank you so well, much. Well, thanks for, for having me on. Yeah. No keep oh, doing so, it. so so last question: Is there is there anything that uh, we can do to support you guys down in a simple way? Sure. I mean, a few things you can. You can keep in touch with me on Facebook and and Twitter. It's just my name, Shane Claiborne. Um, and uh, for our local work, you can check out thesimpleway.org, uh, thesimpleway.org. And we put regular um, updates of, of how to support our local work in Philly. Um, and the broader, you know, kind of movement work, um, we've got a, a movement called Red Letter Christians that mm-hmm. kind of uh, winking at the the words of Jesus in the gospel that are often highlighted in red. And um, you can find a lot more about that, that kind of movement of folks that want a Christianity that looks like Jesus again um, at redletterchristians.org. So those are kind of the two feet that I walk on. The simple ways, our local work, and then the Red Letter Christians is kind of our movement work. And um, yeah, so uh, thanks for all you're doing, Jeff, and and thanks for everybody listening. Yeah, okay. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye.